Hi, I'm Ian, co-founder of Dig Insights and president of Dig's innovation insights platform, Upside. Welcome to Dig In. Dig In is the place to stay up to date on what's happening in the world of innovation, research, and technology, to find inspiration from today's business and innovation leaders, and to properly dig into hot topics that matter for consumer brands right now. And when applicable, we'll bring our own research to that conversation. Hi, welcome back to Dig In. I'm joined by John Williamson again. So great to have you back, John. Thanks for coming back. Hey, Ian. Thanks for having me again. Uh, It's always a pleasure to chat with you and catch up. So if anybody hadn't caught the earlier podcast that we had done with John, uh, John is a successful entrepreneur. He's actually launched a few businesses, successful businesses, and now he is tackling the world of, uh, you know, pre-bottled cocktails with his civil pours line of, of cocktails. And uh, you want to give people just a really quick overview of that again, John, for those people that didn't hear the last uh, podcast? Absolutely. Um, you know, and the, the world of cocktails is expanding dramatically, and there are all sorts of competitive offerings that exist. And I would say they're in the, the ready-to-drink uh, cocktail market. Uh, what we wanted to do is get closer to the experience that you would have at a bar uh, with a bartender and in that environment where the cocktail is has nuance and a lot of flavor and complexity. Uh, what we found is the current offerings in the marketplace today, a lot of them are offering uh, what I'd call more washed out flavors. Uh, some of them are refreshing, uh, but duplicating you know, what you would get from a true cocktail at a bar, uh, probably not so much. And the other key difference is uh, for most cocktails, we're in the, you know, call it the, the 26 to 33% alcohol by volume category. Whereas most of the offerings that we're seeing out of the marketplace now, a large segment is, is 5% to 6%. So more of a refreshing competing against, I would say, the beer segment uh, than the traditional uh, liquor segment and the cocktail segment. So there was an opportunity if we could create that type of cocktail, that would be kind of a home run. And uh, as we started looking around the world, uh, we came across some technology uh, that allowed us to look at the distillation process. Uh, change it up, uh, create a proprietary process that allows us to actually retain the flavor profiles of uh, fresh ingredients and put those into the cocktails and get uh, the same cocktail experience that you would essentially get at the bar. And so when we married that, first of all, with the the technology now that we have that can bring that to you, uh, we also had a a great advantage because we're working with uh, Civil Liberties Bar and the founder, Nick Kennedy. Uh, Civil Liberties is, is a phenomenal bar. In fact, um, just found out it's rated in uh, most recent ratings and top bars of the world, uh, just cracked the top 300 um, of bars in the world. So that's uh, quite an accomplishment for Nick and his team. And it speaks to the quality of uh, what they put out uh, day in and day out, the bartenders and how great they are. Uh, but also uh, part of the, the civil experience is the curiosity they instill in the consumers. And we wanted to bring that to life as well. So consumers uh, go to civil, uh, clients, customers, go to civil uh, with an expectation of uh, learning more about cocktails, experiencing different cocktails, uh, having that curiosity satisfied. And we wanted to build that into the brand as we brought it to the marketplace as well. So superior product, as well as uh, the creativity and the great uh, presence that the the civil team brings to to bear on this. We thought that was a, a winning combination at the end of the day. Very cool. So we, we actually knew each other uh, prior to you doing this. I've known you in previous roles and, and, you know, know your family well. So um, when you first came to me with this, with, you know, you already had concepts, you already had a product 
but you wanted to do some research, we, we said, let's, you know, let's, let's do, let's use our, our software uh, upside to do some initial concept testing with you. Um, and asked if you'd be willing to sort of keep us apprised of the entrepreneurial journey as you went, how, you know, what research you were doing, but also just sort of the phases of that process all the way from initial ideation, all the way to getting it into store and, and being successful, which I, of course I know you will do. So I thought it was going to be very exciting to be along that journey with you. The first test we did was really just to assess if the, if the concept itself had legs and it did extraordinarily well in our upside test. And I invite anybody to look at our previous podcast and video podcast, uh, if you want an overview of that research. Um, and after that was established, uh, you, you came back and you said, okay, now it's time for the next phase. We need to get into some pricing and, and share projections. And we just finished that work for you a little while ago. Do you want to talk about how, how those results aligned with, you know, either your expectations or not? And what were some of the, some of the learnings for you out of that? Uh, absolutely. Um, and I step back one step, um, as you know, uh, in working together, my background coming from Procter and Gamble, um, it was really important for us to extensively test products before we brought them to the marketplace and make sure we understood all elements of the, the marketing, the product, uh, how we were taking it with the packaging. All these elements can be tested and uh, your uh, programs allow us to really get into the, the nuance uh, about what the brands are all about that I've never seen before. So being able to take the products and expose them to consumers, uh, the ideas, the concepts uh, has been great. And now taking it to the next stage, which is pricing and packaging has been absolutely crucial for us to, to make sure we've got all the things right and that we can make some modifications as we go forward. So um, your tool uh, is so amazing. I've said this to you before, is that it gives us really quick results, uh, but it also allows us to really penetrate the data uh, in a meaningful way at the end of the day as well. The oh, first thanks, phase- yeah, the first phase of the research, there was one other part beyond the concept that, that was very important to us was we were trying to make sure that we had the right versions to lead off into the marketplace with as well. And the quadrant analysis that we were able to do with, with your research allowed us to identify which products really were in the winner categories, which ones were more niche, which ones were more nuanced and as a, you know, kind of a standalone might be okay. Um, and it also allowed us to understand was there going to be cannibalization happening between the various SKUs? And so if we took one out there and put it out in the marketplace, was this popularity such that it would cause us not to, you know, be able to launch the other one because they would just be eating off each other at the end of the day. And what we were able to find is they, they were separate. We were able to identify three SKUs that resided in very different spots in the winning quadrant. And that's also been confirmed in the second round. So that was also very important for us to to focus our efforts, particularly with a startup, we don't want to go off creating six or seven packages and then not which know which one we take to final packaging and all the costs associated with that. And so we've been able to kind of funnel down our focus and make sure we're spending money where we, we need to spend the money as we go forward. The next phase of the research has been really important to us because the sizing in the category is all over the map. Uh, so we have everything in the category from a 200 mil size, a 375 mil size, uh, we've got canned versions. We have a five, you know, 500 mil, 750 mil sizes out there. And obviously the LCBO is who is going to be one of our first customers. 
going out and saying, hey, this is the ideal size, we actually want to have some rationale to, to make sure we do identify the size. And interestingly, through the research, we've been able to identify the 500 mil size as actually being the optimal size to go to the marketplace with uh, versus you know, the market leader, which is currently at a 750 mil size. And it allows us to do a little bit more creativity around the pricing and get to the right price points at the end of the day as well. Because with a new product, we didn't want the price point to be so overwhelming uh, that it would stifle the trial that we would have coming up as well. And so the, the pricing research, um, we as you know, we tested it at various levels. Uh, we had kind of a going in hypothesis of what would make this work. And then we actually priced up at different price points as well. And we could see what kind of pricing elasticity there was in, in the marketplace and you know how much could you go up and how much volume will, will we look at losing. And so that volume modeling that we've been able to do, it also you know, played back to allowing us to look at the assumptions that we had made on turns and distribution points, et cetera. And we can go back in and obviously create a more robust volume model based on the data that we received back. So all that information has, has been absolutely uh, crucial for us. And we're pretty excited because our hypothesis around you know, the types of turns that we were anticipating, uh, the type of pricing that we could sustain, uh, were all you know, proven out in the research. Uh, we could have made changes if that was not the case, but uh, we're pretty excited by the fact that uh, those pricing levels and, and more importantly, the size that we're introducing with uh, is supportable behind the research as well. Great. And if, for any uh, research nerds who are potentially listening to this, the methodology we actually used on this one uh, would be more akin to discrete choice, something we call virtual markets, where we actually showed a large selection of products all on the screen at the same time. So, uh, so the civil pores products that are not yet in market plus existing in market direct competitors all priced. And then we were able to vary the price on the civil pores products and change the assortment that are shown on any screen at any given time. And people would go screen by screen as though they're shopping online. Like if you could go you know, to the LCBO and put things in your basket and buy them, that's sort of the exercise they did. And so based on that, the behaviors that they showed across those screens by buying different products and different screens and putting them in their basket, um, we're able to then actually do price elasticity. And that, that's how John was able to establish the, that he had you know, the correct size of the 500 milliliter, and then also what his share choice would be at the different price points, and then determine you know, what you know, the profitability versus share trade-off made sense Again, because it is a premium product, uh, it's a you, very premium ingredients, uh, and so you you know you have to price it somewhat of a premium to offset the cost of the ingredients. So, um, very cool results. And and can you talk anything about sort of what 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 sort of the next steps out of that are? Yeah. So and I, I just got, you know the the really encouraging part is um, we we had kind of projected we would have leadership dollar share given our premium pricing. Uh, but what was very uh, good for us to see is that the research confirmed that we would also have leadership unit shares. Um, and so going, you know, as we go and talk our story and about why our product is viable in the marketplace, uh, when we go to potential customers, the LCBO, for example, we're able to take that data, uh, show them where we fit into the category, how many SKUs they should be buying rather than saying, hey, we're only going to let one in, it's going to be a limited distribution. We actually have a very good story to show why this will meet a consumer need now. And, and so that's part of the equation. So we have been out in talking to various customers, other channels beyond the LCBO direct to consumer channels. And it's been 
this research has really helped them understand why it's worth taking the product and, and having it in inventory. And so, you know, the thing you're worried about is, is it just going to sit here? Is it not going to move? Um, is that pricing appropriate, et cetera? And so the data has really helped um, our potential client base understand the nuance around what the product's all about, but more importantly, that it is going to move uh, once they have it uh, in their possession and once they start to feature it. So that, that was one of the parts that we wanted to solidify was that client base and making sure that we could have conversations at very senior levels of organizations that would be purchasing our products and that we could get some initial commitments behind the research and data before we move to full production and um, asking for purchase orders. And so, um, as you know, we're also in the stage of uh, raising some capital at this point in time. Uh, it's always a, a tricky equation. Um, you know, obviously people who invest want to see the valuation as low as possible so they can get as much equity as possible. And we're in that stage. This data has really helped us point in a direction as well of, you know, what the revenue projections that we had um, are, are very valid. And so two things have happened out of that. One is hard data that is supporting the revenue channels that we had established. Um, so people look at that and say, that, yeah, that's better than just telling me that you're gonna have a successful business. You actually have some information and data behind it. So it may not be in full production yet, or you may not have purchase orders, but that's kind of reassuring to a lot of people out there, particularly when you're comparing yourself versus the existing products that are in the marketplace. The second thing that it helps with, and it's kind of in here, um, you know, obviously investors are looking at the management team and the credibility of the management team. And so for us to be able to go back out and say, here's the research that supports the numbers we first shared with you is also helping us with our credibility story in that, hey, um, not only is this a great product, we have a, a team that knows what they're doing as they're taking the product to the marketplace. And so we're feeling a little bit more secure about the investment that we're putting behind um, civil pores as we move forward. So that has been, you know, what the focus has been in the last little bit has been helping the investors understand where the right valuation is uh, so we can all align on that. And then the second part of the equation is um, the client base and the customer base, bringing them along on the journey earlier, uh, rather than waiting till we have the product produced and packaged and then go to them and say, hey, it's ready for purchase. We can actually have those conversations now. We can sample the products with them. They don't need to see the final packaging and in final packaging because the research helps them understand what the consumer response is going to be to that. Very cool. I know you've been very successful in your, your, your capital raise so far. So the next, I guess the next exciting, the next exciting phase for you is actually to, to, to set up production, I guess. Is that, is that what's next or? Yeah. So we, we have, um, you know, this new technology requires us to build a different type of still. Um, and so we had to send those plans and drawings and technical specifications for the still out to uh, people who could actually build this for us. And uh, we went out to three potential uh, organizations that had the capability to, to do this for us. Uh, the good news is that our estimates, again, on what we thought it would cost to produce um, these stills is very accurate. And so we've got uh, two very competitive bids right now that uh, allow us to kind of set back and understand the nuance between the two organizations and which one we're feeling more comfortable with. And so as we marry the capital uh, raise with that, uh, we would be uh, identifying a production site to go to. The good news is in Toronto now there is a, some real estate uh, downtown, <laughs> good news or bad news, depending on what side you sit on. And so uh, there's some opportunity for us to you know, locate in a, in a very good area of the city. 
so that uh, not only will we have a production facility, but it'll be a spot where uh, people can come and have a tasting experience. And that's that's part of our goal as well. Very cool. Well, it's, it's, so, it's, it's so exciting that you've allowed us to come on this journey with you because to see it from, to see the entrepreneurial journey right from the start and see how you've used data and research intelligently to get you from one step to the next I mean, along with all of the other business planning and all the other work that you do, obviously, um, is, is it's just incredibly fascinating. So um, any any kind of like anything, any uh, other big things since since our last podcast or any big things on the near term horizon? I, I'd say, you know, the uh, we continue to experiment with the right flavor profiles for the cocktails. And uh, despite the expertise of being able to create these great cocktails, um, to get our version of a man old fashioned and that kind of family, you know, it took seven or eight iterations of going through various productions and getting that the blend right. And the other interesting part is our taste panel, taste panels are experts, bartenders, cocktail, you know, experts, as well as consumers uh, who are passionate about cocktails as well. And uh, trying to find those, those right sweet spots for those has been, for me, has been an, an eye-opening adventure and also making sure that uh, from production batch to production batch that we can control the, the quality piece of the equation because once we nailed down that um, version that we wanted uh, we want to ensure that that quality is always there and that um, the taste that you just love that you'll be able to get a second or third time uh, when we're dealing with um, ingredients like kelp and other things we you know how long do we soak it in soak it in the distillate etc um, those were all areas that we were playing with to, to make sure that we nail it down the, the right ratios and so uh, we felt really good about our, our first version. Um, the second version, uh, we've gotten better at this production process, and it's even um, it really came out strong out of the blocks. Um, we call it Stone Mother. Um, it's a version of a sidecar. It's got a, a much um, fruitier uh, fruit. Probably may not be the right thing, but yeah, it's, it's based off fruit, and so it's got a, a more vibrant uh, flavor that seems to be off from the you know the darker spirits, and so that that is going very well as, as we've moved to taste panels with that as well. Uh, but it's just been exciting to now get into the experimentation of, you know, now that we've identified the concepts, making sure that the, the products live up to those expectations as well. And that, that's been phenomenal. Well, I was lucky enough to actually get to try the, the cocktails in person. They were amazing uh, at, at yeah. Nick's bar at civil, at civil liberties. Um, are, are they on the menu there now? Like, can you, <laughs> can someone actually go and try them yet or no? Um, we always have some for you, Ian. Um, okay. so that's, 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 that's the good news for you. And we'll continue to make sure stuff gets out to you. Um, right now, we have a number of investors and people who are wanting to be involved in that process and tasting it. And so uh, production runs are, uh, you know, we're getting much better at it, uh, but it, it, there's still a timely process using the smaller um, you know, kind of lab unit that we're working with today, rather than a 2000 liter still that we'll be creating. Uh, so uh, we hope to get some stuff out in the next couple of months, uh, particularly as we get into the festive season. And yeah, our goal is to have some of this available at, at the bar uh, as something that, you know, we, we have in the package, you can take a look at it and see it and, and get some initial consumer response behind it. We're getting much better at producing in, in the lab. Amazing. Please let us know when that does happen so we can drive people to the bar for you and tell them to give it a try because I think it's it's really exciting. Um, and please keep us, you know, involved along the way so that you tell us the next, the ne you know, the next big step that happens, just kind of give us quick updates because I, you know, 
I personally just love hearing the story and seeing it. And I know a lot of other people do too. It's really exciting to be part of, you know, the entrepreneurial experience. So uh, thanks so much for your time again, John. And thanks so much for the update. Okay. Well, thank you. Ian. As always, it's a pleasure to catch up and, and talk about where we're going with this. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Dig In. If you want more information about Dig Insights or Upside, please check us out on LinkedIn or at our websites at diginsights.com or upside.com. If you have any ideas for future episodes or would like to be a guest, please feel free to direct message me through the LinkedIn app.